is Jeff Cooper, and we welcome you to this Disney at Play podcast. Today we return to our 50th anniversary series where we see the Magic Kingdom as brand new Disney cast members learned about it back in 1971. Up to this point, we've covered Main Street, Adventureland, Frontierland, Liberty Square, and Fantasyland. The smallest and most unprepared of all the lands was Tomorrowland. Technically, it opened with only two attractions, yet the handbook offers insights that we don't seem to have from any other source. Those insights were shared with new Disney cast members, most of whom had never seen a Disney theme park. If you yearn for the Walt Disney World of yesteryear, or if you want to know what this land was like in the very early days of the park, this is your podcast as we continue our efforts to celebrate the 50th anniversary of Walt Disney World. As you uh, listen to this podcast, you get a chance check out DisneyAtPlay.com. There's some photos that are quite unique of uh, what this place looked like in the very uh, early days of the park opening and uh, what it might have felt like or been like. And we're going to kind of walk through uh, that as we, um, as we go through this experience. While you're there, make sure you subscribe and when you have a chance, go to uh, iTunes or your favorite podcast provider and provide a positive rating or review if you could. That would be so helpful. Well, in chapter one, the Tomorrowland story, we read that, quote, the land of tomorrow will offer guests a glimpse into the future in this constantly changing area. Well, let me just stop there and say there couldn't be more truth than this constantly changing area. Here is an exciting, fun-filled, action-packed land where visitors can take a whirlwind visual trip across America the Beautiful, a race in the Grand Prix, or take an exciting flight to the moon aboard a mammoth spaceship of the future. And by 1972, there will be an entirely new propulsion system for travel aboard a futuristic people mover along with a climate-controlled pathway. We leave the past and present behind and begin here in the land of tomorrow. Now let me just stop and say it's this is the introductory paragraph to this thing and there is all sorts of things going on here that um, is quite interesting. The most interesting thing is that um, they're noting that in 1972 there's going to be a people mover. They don't talk about Space Mountain. They don't talk about Carousel of Progress. They don't even talk about the Star Jets, which are the rockets in the center above the people mover. They just talk about this futuristic people mover um, in a new propulsion system. Now, the one that was designed... Um, for the people mover in Tomorrowland at Disneyland is based on wheels. It was sponsored um, by Goodyear and there were lots of wheels in the track and it's just simply spinning, um, kind of moving your your car constantly around and around. 
by the time they get by this time they already know they're going to go with a different technology in this case it's a magnetic attraction system magnets actually high-powered magnets don't step on the track during operation because it's it's a pretty deadly thing because these high-powered magnets are very powerful and they and they literally bring the uh the people mover along as it goes through the uh, system um, so it's interesting that they know all this, but they're, and in fact, we know that they know this because in the two show buildings, as you enter Tomorrowland, you see that there has been a placeholder put in for the tracks to move through and the exterior of the, of the show buildings on the, on the second floor. So you know that they already have this in mind. Now, there is no track laid out. In the rest of Tomorrowland and we don't even know where that tracks going up but they have put a placeholder for this so they've they thought this if what is confusing is that they talk about a climate controlled pathway that's really confusing because while it does go indoors at times I would hardly call it a climate controlled pathway at least what they had already built up to that point in chapter 2 we talk about the ground level area, which is unfortunately a repetition of the same thing that's been mentioned in all the other um, Tomorrowland handbooks. By the way, uh, well, I'll come back to that in a minute. Um, so there's nothing too uh, unusual here, although there is a very massive utilidor system that cuts through uh, the Tomorrowland Terrace, heads over toward, um, <clears throat> over toward, um, uh, what will be Flight to the Moon, um, uh, he will head over to what will be the Star Jets. In fact, actually, the the little uh, hamburger place, the hot dog place, underneath the Star Jets or the People Mover, that actually, on, on a lot of days, they actually create a lot of their hot dogs over there at that station, then bust them over through the Utilidor over to Casey's to keep them going because the line, because the crowds are so much bigger over at Casey's. Um, any rate, there is a, there is a Utilidor system. It was always kind of the, when I went through it, it always felt really, it was well lit, but it was quiet. It was not like the rest of the Utilidor system going up and down Main Street or even heading toward Frontierland. Most Tomorrowland attraction uh, attendees did not go through the Utilidor system. They just walked through the onstage portion. Um, by the way, one of the visuals we'll see when, we, when you look at this um, uh, cast member handbook um, that we've added to DisneyAtPlay.com, you'll see the entrance. Of course, the entrance had these two fountains that were coming down or going up, depending on how this uh, kind of worked. Um, and you see the show buildings in front. You also see a little landing area where the yellow umbrellas are now um, in front of the Plaza restaurant. They actually, this was the plan for the swan boat attraction, although the boat outside is not the swan boat itself. But uh, you could see that these things were under underway as we... Go through so make sure you check out the photos now we get into chapter three which is attractions and this is the part that's really crazy the first attraction listed is twenty thousand leagues under the sea and 
And it goes through all of the same detail that we just covered in Fantasyland last week. In fact, actually the cover of the Tomorrowland Handbook is actually a picture of the Nautilus. Um, and so it uh, it's very confusing why they put this, but I think, I think operations really, because it, Everybody knew out west that the submarine ride, in this case 20,000 Leagues Under the Sea, was part of Tomorrowland. So I think a lot of people just assumed in preparing this handbook that it was going to be part of Tomorrowland as well. So very confusing. Uh, I'm going to skip over that whole page because it's repetitious and it's not part of the land. But you can see the confusion at that time. By the way, also probably... A lot of times, uh, management was kind of divided up into two halves of the park, and Fantasyland and Tomorrowland operated as one area. And so that may have um, somehow uh, subtly contributed to the confusion of why we keep thinking 20,000 Leagues Under the Sea is part of Tomorrowland. We do go on to the Fantasyland Skyway from Tomorrowland. I think it's really funny that they don't call it the Tomorrowland Skyway. They call it the Fantasyland Skyway from Tomorrowland. That's kind of confusing too. But at any rate, the Fantasyland Skyway is, this, is only the second of its kind built in the United States. The first was installed in Disneyland in 1956. Now, this is very similar to what, was, what we read last week with Fantasyland. Here at Walt Disney World, 64 four-passenger cabins will transport guests between Fantasyland and Tomorrowland. The Skyway carries the guests high above Fantasyland for a bird's-eye view of Walt Disney World, especially It's a Small World, Peter Pan's Flight, Mickey Mouse Review, Pinocchio's Village, Cinderella's Golden Carousel, and 20,000 Links Under the Sea. It also provides an exhilarating view of the Grand Prix Raceway and the Contemporary Hotel. At this point, the Contemporary Hotel is very visible from those sections of Tomorrowland, particularly from the area of the Grand Prix Raceway and especially here on the Skyway. The power drive station for the Skyway is located at the Fantasyland Swiss Chalet. It is connected to the transfer station. The transfer station changes the direction of the cable and diverts its tension to the ballast station in Tomorrowland. The tension station keeps the cable taut and will fluctuate according to the amount of cabins on the cable. Again, they keep going through this, but this is all they have to talk about because when this place opens, there's only two attractions, the Skyway to Fantasyland and the Grand Prix Raceway, which is the next thing they describe. The Grand Prix Raceway offers our guests, both young and old alike, the opportunity to drive their own car on a Walt Disney World raceway. This is a two-sided attraction of two parallel lanes on each so that the guests will be able to compete with each other. The WED design cars are equipped with a 7.5 horsepower engine, a roll bar, and are painted in bright competition colors with racing stripes. Each car travels at approximately 7 miles per hour and passes in front of the grandstand area constructed for those guests who wish to view the competition. A controller in an elevated tower will dispatch the cars while a special effects system recreates the sound of an engine uproar. So you will see a picture of this, both the, 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 um, 
the area where you can actually watch um, the grandstand where you can watch these cars take off at a roaring seven miles per hour. There's also a, a window area that you'll see and it's still there. That actually was part of the sponsor uh, exhibit area, for lack of a better term, that sponsors could have a little break area and that in air conditioned uh, comfort. And that is actually above the Grand Prix Raceway. But the thing I really wanted to draw attention to was there is this pedestal, I think it's still there. And here you see this image of this guy have, holding the green flag and waving it as if to suggest to the two cars out front, it's okay, it's your turn, you can go, 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 go. Uh, of course, all this is really crazy because it's seven miles per hour, so you're not really getting much of anything. In fact, in the uh, grand opening uh, film of Walt Disney World, they show these um, these famous, uh, Bobby Unser, I think, was one of them, uh, race car drivers, and um, and they're all driving these little seven mile per hour cars and Buddy Hackett comes along with the love bug and drives it along the way. So it, it is it is an interest, this is just crazy what it looks like. But the other thing that's a little strange, um, well, anyway, that, that's the Grand Prix Raceway. Um, and that's, uh, now, they do list another attraction here, although it would not open up until December of 1971. And that is the flight to the moon. The flight to the moon is divided into two phases, the pre-show and a realistic simulated trip to the moon. In the pre-show area, guests will visit Mission Control Center, where an audio animatronic uh, director, Mr. Morrow, as in Mr. Tom Morrow, um, explains the activities of the center. There are several viewing screens here operating simultaneously showing the liftoff of several rockets as well as an excellent close-up view of the sun. As the, at the completion of the pre-show, guests will board one of two ships for their flight. During blast-off, our guests will experience the sensation of overcoming the gravitational pull of the Earth. While in orbit around the moon, the passengers will witness an interview with an astronaut stationed on the lunar surface and be treated to a view of the dark side of the moon. Later, after a narrow escape through a meteor shower, they will return to Earth. Um, most people can hear, uh, see uh, segments of this actually in an old um, Disneyland TV show our wonderful world of Disney TV show. And uh, and you can hear the entire audio. It's available still to listen to. It was cute in its time. But the problem is, is it's now 1971 and man landed on the moon a couple of years ago in 1969. So this whole thing with flight to the moon is just really, it's just kind of really weird. Um, and, and we'll see that it doesn't stay very long. In fact, actually, it's probably the first attraction to go at the, at the Magic Kingdom. The last thing they talk about is another show, that attraction that uh, started in 1971 in December. So just a couple of months after opening, and that's America the Beautiful. America the Beautiful is sponsored by the Monsanto Corporation and is a free attraction. While waiting in the pre-show area, guests will be treated to an entertaining film 
and see products from the Monsanto Corporation. Yeah. The guests then enter the Circle Vision 360 Theater for a tour of America. Disney photographers using specially constructed cameras have captured the colors, sounds, and spirit of our great country. There are nine screens completely encompassing guests with the 35 millimeter synchronized motion picture. Add stereophonic sound and our guests come face to face with the people and places of our nation and with scenic locations such as Hawaii, Alaska, national parks, and historic landmarks and cities. The serial scenes shown in this presentation were filmed using a Lockheed B-24. Line cameras were suspended from the Bombay to produce this new dimension in photography. So that's the Tomorrowland. By the end of 1971, that's the Tomorrowland that is um, that is that is previewed to Disney cast members. That was what was planned. Um, that we're going to talk a little bit about the future. But this is where they were at at that time in 1971. The handbook moves on to chapter four, which is eating in Tomorrowland. And it begins with the Tomorrowland Terrace. Tomorrowland Terrace will be the largest fast food operation at Walt Disney World. It features a broil broilimation machine with with which a new conveyor system is capable of cooking 3,000 hamburger patties an hour. On the terrace's menu will be hamburgers, hot dogs, french fries, onion rings, and corn dogs. It is sponsored by Coca-Cola and will be offering their line of beverages. The focal point in the enclosed dining facility is a stage that rises from the basement below. Here, young groups of musicians will play and sing the up-tempo tunes of the day. And I have a picture of what that looks like with the stages where Sunny Eclipse is now. But that stage used to go up and down before Sunny took it over, at which point they made it stationary. But it's a stage that is able to go up and down and bringing groups and bands in and out of their performance. It's, it was a very cool thing. But yeah, that was the Tomorrowland Terrace. Lunching pad. This is a relatively small refreshment area, which serves hot dogs, cold beverages, specialty sandwiches, and novelty ice cream. Now, the lunch pad is usually considered that space that sits underneath. Um, well, it, it, I'm sorry, it, it calls itself the, let me start again. It calls itself the lunch pad pad as i recall just what i read no no it, was, it did call itself the lunching pad and the lunching pad has always been uh well essentially that space at that time was where you get anti-gravity treats right now it's not the same one that is at the base of the people mover so um kind of um, in that area near the Tomorrowland restrooms is where that is. Um, and those were the two dining areas. At that point, the the uh, Tomorrowland Pavilion restaurant, Plaza Pavilion restaurant has not been built outside of, uh, uh, just outside the, the gate to Tomorrowland leading to Main Street. All of that was not there at that time. Now it goes on to chapter five, which talks about 
which is titled In 1972. And here we talk about where the future is going. They already mentioned some things won't open till December, such as Circle Vision and uh, Flight to the Moon. But now we're talking about the future. The People Mover, sponsored by Goodyear, is an automatic intermediate transportation system designed for variable speed and shuttle service. When completed, guests will board a constantly moving train via a revolving turntable, which is synchronized with the speed of the trains. They will then be taken on a scenic tour of Tomorrowland on an elevated beamway in one of the four cars that make up each train. So the People Mover is the only thing mentioned. They do not mention Star Jets, which would come on top of the People Mover. They don't mention Space Mountain, which would house the People Mover. Um, none of these things are mentioned back in 1971 because right now there, even though John Hench had started on the designs of Space Mountain, they had not really sold RCA yet on a sponsorship for doing Space Mountain. So none of that is planned at this time. What is planned comes in the next paragraph, something I've talked a lot about if you've been listening to my podcast. The Tomorrowland Railway Station, which will be completed sometime in 1972, will enable guests to board and disembark from one of the four steam trains that circle Walt Disney World. This is an excellent way for guests to orient themselves with the various lands in the theme park. So when Walt Disney World originally opened, there was really only one train station. It was the Magic Kingdom train station or the Main Street train street station at the front of the park. Frontierland had not been built and did not come in until spring of 1972. Here they're announcing the Tomorrowland 1972 Railroad, this is the only writing I have ever seen that acknowledges that a train station was to be put in Tomorrowland. Not surprised, and we're not talking about Toontown or we're not talking about Storybook Circus. That is a whole different concept, a whole different idea for a whole different time. This was intended to pretty well go um, between the People Mover and the uh, Grand Prix Raceway. And I have a photo of it, and it's not an easy photo. It's actually from Time Magazine. You'll see a bunch of cast members all dressed up in different costumes. You'll see a picture of the Seven Seas Lagoon with Cinderella Castle in the background, but you'll also see a picture of the Grand Prix Raceway. And in it, you will see way in the back, uh, the Contemporary Resort, which shows you just how easy it was to see this. You also see the people mover, or I mean the monorail beam, which would go back to um, its own station. But um, but you also see, uh, and above you see the Skyway, but in the middle of this, you will see a construction trailer. And next to the construction trailer, you will see beams and even a, um, a roof that uh, has a pitch to it. And this was the original train station. And they got somewhere through construction and then they took it all down because they decided they were going to move toward um, toward uh, building Space Mountain and all that came in its place. So actually it goes on. I'm not going to read it because the same stuff that was uh, in the Main Street 
uh, training handbook, but they go on to talk about the trains and what the and where the trains came from, and and concludes with saying eventually Tomorrowland and Frontierland will have a railroad station where guests may board for a tour around Magic Kingdom. They may now board at the Main Street Railroad Station. So this is this is what they had planned at the time the park opened. Goes on to some um, shops at, and but um, by the way, I should just say, well, I'll come back to. To that but it goes on to the shops and says the skyway station shop located at the base of tomorrowland skyway station is a small shop which features small disney disney souvenir items note this shop should be ready in october this doesn't sound it doesn't sound like they were very uh, uh hopeful everything was supposed to be ready in october at the time this was written at any rate uh, Mickey's Mart is a large store located near the America the Beautiful attraction and features Disney character merchandise, futuristic space models, postcards, and other mementos um, themed to the area. And then it has a note after that that says, this store will not be open in October. And then it goes on to say, the spaceport features unusual contemporary gifts and a wide price range. This will be a colorful shop where guests can purchase those hard-to-get items of the future. And then a note, this store will not be open in <laughs> October. So it's uh, they're very clear to the cast what's going to be open and what's not going to be open during this time. Now, um, what's interesting about this is that... Uh, um, these two shops, Mickey's Mart and Spaceport, these are the two shops that surround uh, Flight to the Moon. They say it's adjacent to America the Beautiful, but no, it's actually adjacent to Flight to the Moon. So uh, again, people are just trying, and I understand that because Mickey's Mart um, was located on that side of the Tomorrowland area. Uh, in its original day, uh, back at Disneyland. But this is not Disneyland. This is the Magic Kingdom, and everybody's trying to figure out where any of this is going. It's really, this is why the this cast member handbook is really such an indication of what was going on, what was going through people's minds, what they knew, what they didn't know, what was tentative, what was not, you know, not expected, all of that. So, in truth, 1971, on opening day, you have Grand Prix and Skyway. Followed by December, you have America the Beautiful and Flight to the Moon. In June of the following year, 1972, If You Had Wings uh, goes up and it uses the same Omnimover system that Buzz Lightyear uses today. And it opens up uh, during that time period. And then you have, in March of 1974, Magic Carpet Around the World, that film replaces America the Beautiful. And then in November 1974, you have Star Jets. Now, the Star Jets, of course, sits on top of the People Mover. What's interesting is it will be another year before the People Mover shows up, but the Star Jets open first, even though they aren't even mentioned in the handbook, and only the people mover is. So November 74, Star Jets opens. In January of 75, Carousel of Progress opens. This is the version 
where the song is rewritten to say, now is the time. General Electric didn't like Great Big Beautiful Tomorrow. They wanted you to buy their TVs today. And so they had the Richard uh, Sherman Brothers rich, um, redo. Now is the time. Now is the best time. Now is the best time of your life. Which means now is the best time of your life to buy a color TV. And that was the Carousel of Progress of 1975. Otherwise looking very similar other than the... Then the uh, then the song, uh, a more dated look for the future, but the th first three acts, the very same one. And in that same month, Space Mountain would open. In June of 75, Mission to Mars replaces Flight to the Moon. Even though we had already been to the moon, it took till 75 to replace that and put in Mission to Mars, which also went in at the same time to Disneyland. And then finally, in June of 75, the Wedway People Mover opens. So that begins what most people think of as the original Tomorrowland. By the time the People Mover gets up, that kind of frames the original uh, Tomorrowland that people have loved over the years. In time, things were changed out in 89. Delta Dreamflight changed out for what was um, If You Had Wings. Uh, obviously sponsored by Delta. Uh, then in November of 94, the timekeeper comes in, replaces uh, the, um, well, I think what happened, I don't have it in my notes, but um, the America the Beautiful film got a redo. What is the name of that one? Um, but it gets a redo and comes in in the, in the later, in the early 80s, I think want to say um comes in uh, american journeys that's the name of the film i think american journeys played for a number of years in uh in that space and then finally um um it is replaced by monsters laugh floor in 2007 oh no i'm sorry it's replaced by the timekeeper in 94 which was a crazy incredible a show starring robert williams as robin williams as a robot in December 94, this is 94 is the time where we kind of have a change over to a, uh, a kind of different looking Tomorrowland. We have extraterrestrial alien encounter, which kind of started soft opening in December 94, went through a whole bunch of versions and then finally landed on the version it went with for a while in June of 95. Buzz Lightyear premieres in 98. I remember previewing that. November 2004, Stitch's Great Escape makes um, uh, makes its premiere in the space of Mission to Mars. So it was really 2004. Well, no, I'm sorry. I'm sorry. 2000, uh, I, I said Mission to Mars, but it was replacing Extraterrestrial Encounter. Um, that actually means that Extraterrestrial and Alien Encounter lasted about eight, nine years before it was replaced. And then Monsters Incorporated in April of 2007, their laugh floor came, was the last thing added. So it's been, well, it's been 15 years before we had anything. And of course we hope to have in months to come, the new uh, Tron attraction. At any rate, this gives you a sense of Tomorrowland of 1971. I hope you've enjoyed this podcast. If you do, check out our Wayfinder Society, at, uh, uh, which is essentially our Patreon group. Helps support this podcast. 
help uh, provide any good ratings or reviews you can on your favorite podcast channel and uh, support us any way you can. We appreciate you being a part of this podcast. And in the words of uh, Sinbad's storybook adventure, always follow the compass of your heart. Have a great day. We'll see you real soon. Thank you.